welcome to the Jurassic Park 3 Minutes where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And we're back after the holidays to jump straight back into Jurassic Park 3 with minute 20. Dave, how was your Christmas? Any any Mattel Jurassic themed goodies you got? Uh, definitely. Uh, well, not Mattel. I did get the Chronicle, uh, the mini breakout wrecks from Think Ooh. Geek. So that's currently hanging up there with my other T-Rexes. Two extra statues on top of my desk, but then I, I did use some of my Christmas money to get some of the Mattel stuff. I got um, the Bull T Rex, uh, the uh, yeah, the new Mattel Bull T Rex, which as we the last time we discussed it, it was just a blurry picture. Turns out that blurry picture <laughs> turned into a big beautiful reality. I'm loving it. It's <laughs> this beautiful olive green color. It has the this perfect kind of striping like the basic extreme chomping t-rex it doesn't have any detailing on the tail but i soon fixed that i also added some of the brown and the scarring to the snout and added some more detailing to the face area yeah well last time last time we've seen that as you said it was a blur image and we we're talking about it being a good base for a customization mm-hmm. of the male rex but it sounds like it's it's pretty good on its own without some minor touch-ups that you can do to it. Mm-hmm, I definitely agree. I mean, everything I did to it was done with a Sharpie, so it's permanent, <laughs> but I really didn't have to break out the paints and all that. Of course, I've seen um, a couple Instagram accounts doing that, with, such as Ted Brothers already repainted theirs. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's some good-looking customs coming out of it. Yeah, there are, and it's a beautiful mat. It's, I mean, a beautiful canvas to work with. And it, I mean, it's beautiful on its own. It's got this color that is honestly, to me, very reminiscent of the the Lost World hand puppets. Yep. And so I I was called crazy when I first said that to anybody to everybody, and like, <laughs> then I'm like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> you know, like in SpongeBob when he just keeps tearing down, showing all the diapers, like. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> and then I also picked up the uh, battle damaged Albertosaurus, which is a lot of fun. It's a great color. It's a great figure. The whole head is articulated, I think, on a ball joint. And then the mouth moves up and down. The legs have the regular Mattel uh, leg articulation. The tail is a ball joint. The arms are move like regular Mattel arms. And then it has this really cool new battle damage feature. It's not just the sliding... The uh, skin doesn't just slide down to reveal bones and flesh. Though the bones and flesh are there, the bones also slide up and move away, revealing the flesh, which is kind of like a real feel, kind of like squishy kind of rubber material. Okay, yep. Nice. Well, that's and that's especially if that, that's a big difference a couple of weeks makes where we had Mattel revealing that in the news we we're going to talk about tonight, but you've already got it in hand. <laughs> So, yeah, I could definitely describe that. I mean, if we're going to discuss it here. <laughs> yeah. I, I folded and got the Lego Mansion set. It was at, at a reduced price here, and I was sort of still kicking myself for doing it because it's really... It's got some playability, but for the money, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, there's just not much to it. But um, got that and got a couple of the... the um, I'll say new Mattel figures, but nowhere near as new as what you've been picking up. <laughs> no, I'm actually surprised how quickly, obviously not on your end of the world, but 
in the United States at least, Mattel has really hit it hard with the distribution rates on um, this mm. release because guys I know talk and I talk to who live in, say, New Jersey or the Pennsylvania or other places on the West Coast, and then I'm here in Chicago in the Midwest, we're all getting it on like the same release days, you know? So yeah. it's a very good sign for distribution. Yeah, well, it's sort of choppy here. Like all the all the rival, a lot of the rivals stuff, Dino Rivals is here. Like the Packy uh, the Packy Rhinosaurus and all that are coming out here. But it's just a lot of the simpler stuff. Like again, that RV Matchbox car is not here anywhere in that wave. Like I've seen the Explorers once and got two of them and then never seen them again. And mm-hmm. it's sort of frustrating. It's all all going to online shopping and getting friends in America that can pick them up for me and post them over. That's funny that you mentioned the RV set. Are you still in need of that? Because the last time I was in the Target, we had like five of them. We are going to talk after this. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've, that? I've got a friend that's getting me one. I've got a friend that's getting me one. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy to have one because most of the um, original, like the Explorer and Jeep now, I've just mm-hmm. got one to keep in its package. But I do need two to customize into the proper RV, so... Yeah, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, because I went to go get a friend of mine the Maisie figure. It, his his Amazon pre order of it just wasn't going through, so I I shipped him the Maisie and I got myself I had like a ten dollar gift card, so I topped it off with a couple of the Matchbox toys which were on clearance. So I got yeah. the uh, RV, the Jeep, and the tour vehicle all for like seventy cents each. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, by the time the Matchbox cars go on clearance here, that's it's um, Claire's Mercedes or the Unimog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I almost um, forgot, I did also get one more Christmas present um, that was Jurassic-related. I got the Alan Grant Pop Funko. Oh, nice. So that's sitting up there, on, uh, being kind of surrounded by T-Rexes. I <laughs> <laughs> hope that flare works. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's holding his um his raptor his fossil raptor claw. And I got Oh, the claw it is too. Yeah, yeah and I got I got to say it's very well done. It's got very clean uh, lines. Uh, the paint's all very clean. It looks like Alan Grant without a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, very nice. How would you classify it, Billy? Well, it's a super predator. Mm-hmm. Sukumimus. Snout. No, think bigger. Baryonyx. Not with that sail. Spinosaurus aegypticus. I suppose that'll take us straight into some Mattel news, too. <laughs> um, you are talking earlier about that battle damage Alberta saw, and we also seen a repaint of the Pteranodon <laughs> as well that was coming. Um, you've got the Alberta so <laughs> it's 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 been released and or been announced and released yeah. in the uh, time we've been away. Uh, no such luck. You haven't seen the Trinidon yet. I suppose it's going to be a later wave. Yeah, I haven't seen maybe. that one yet. I also haven't seen the new Suko Mimus, the brown one yep. with the, uh, I think the tail whipping action. Mm-hmm. I did see the um, new bite and fight T Rex, but I didn't have enough to buy it at the time. And when I went yep. back to get it, it looks like Scalpers got there before me. So that's oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, but I have a feeling that one's going to be like the new. Is going to be the new um, uh, what was it? The thrash and throw. So 
it'll be around. I I don't think I'll well, be getting it. Yeah, yeah, the fresh and froze just started going on clearance here and I said to my wife yesterday, I said, Oh, next weekend I might have to come in and I think I might buy seven <laughs> <laughs> just so I can have seven T Rex. <laughs> Even my son asks me why. <laughs> that stupid day. <laughs> but um, I suppose in one other one other figure, they've it's only just been leaked mm-hmm. in the last couple of days. I wouldn't call it a leak because technically this comes from the Hong Kong toy and, uh, toy and game fair. So ah, okay. evidently the picture comes from. Um, comes from an official release, just not officially released in the U.S. yet. Okay. Yep. But it is um, the long-rumored Indom- new Indominus Rex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I just from the... Uh, it's only sort of a photo of the head looking down to the torso, and it, it seems to have that neck of the Fresh and Fro T-Rex, so maybe there's a bit of playability mm-hmm. in it. I'm assuming the yeah. neck has some kind of action feature, yeah. Yeah. Possibly thrash and throw because, like you said, it does look like that. Mm. Plus, it um, like they said in in a later release mm-hmm. that it's a new new legacy Alan Grant that's actually hanging out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Jaws as well, which I haven't got mine. Where is it? I get that side. I haven't checked my Terex to see how deep the um the mouth is. No, this one I from what I've heard is called the um darn it. It's the just uh, it's like uh, what did I what did that guy call it? It was some oh was that you? Yeah yeah sorry I'm just <laughs> digging through my dinosaur box and making noises. <laughs> I thought it was one of my so I was checking my class. No, it's, that's right. It's the it's the devour and destroy Indominus, I believe. Devour. I don't. If it is some of the same size as the Fresh and Fro, I doubt it'll be able to swallow I mean, the um, the it, legacy humans. But I imagine it'll definitely be bigger than the Thrash and Throw, just because the figure itself is bigger. And we do know that Mattel is into everything being in scale, because yeah. of course the yeah. Mosasaur is huge, and that was to scale the rest of the Jurassic World line. Yeah, well, I've just I've just found me fresh and fro now, and it does have quite a bit of space behind mm. like, the top of the tongue. So the the Alan Grant that we're seeing in the picture, oh, shut up, you <laughs> is um <laughs> is um like his full torso is inside the mouth. So yeah. So yeah, this information is coming from a website slash a, a social media account called Collect Jurassic. They're new on the scene, and I've made my uh, point of introducing myself. And it turns out they are in my area. They are local to the to the Chicago area, and so I've been comparing a lot of my finds. With oh. <laughs> oh, where? Why don't I have an off switch? All right, <laughs> uh, I removed. Well, that's all right. That's handy if they're close to you, like that. Yeah, it is. Good to, good to make contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've. Uh, I or yeah, I removed the batteries in my thrash. So I, I just got sick of hearing it doing that. Yeah, well, this is I just picked up the um my Hasbro Indominus Rex, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk them before the shards. Apart from the fact that it can't really stand that well, I still I still do like this figure. Um, I haven't had the neck rubber 
perish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even, it's been maybe son's toy box, so it has been played with. Um, whether that's just mm-hmm. the humidity conditions or whatever else here where it hasn't perished as much as what we've seen other people's do. But for the most part, like the sculpt and all that, I don't mind on it. And this new one looks pretty good as well. And if it can stand properly mm-hmm. beside the uh, Trenosaur, then you can get some good poses from that final battle mm-hmm. with a little blue on the back. <laughs> now, I am hearing that the photo here of the Indominus is actually a prototype but that still doesn't stop the fans from like hoping it like wanting it right now yeah they came out with a meme about it where um where uh what's his name uh is up there so saying now now the uh Indominus is a prototype and they got the guy saying 25 millions <laughs> the Russian guy from Farm Kingdom says that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we shouldn't have to. The way they release them, we shouldn't have to wait too long. You might have it by Valentine's Day or Easter. I have. I have heard that the uh, proposed release should be around springish. So yeah, that does sound around sound right. Mm. Oh, lovely. I'm sure the photo of it's been rapidly getting posted around social media. So. If um if need be we can post a photo up mm-hmm. on the uh along with the, the group as well. Yeah, along with the screen cap we hear of the description. Yeah, yep. Cooper, if you see anything, yell up. No, I, I thought I'd keep it to myself. Anything else on that you want to discuss before we get into today's minute? Um no, I think we're good. Alright. As we ended minute nineteen of Jurassic Park Three. Alan had woke to the sounds of jungle wildlife coming into the plane. He looks up at Billy and asks, Tell me we didn't land. As we open on minute 20, the sounds of Amanda Kirby yelling through a bullhorn can be heard in the plane as she's yelling out to Ben and Eric. Billy tells Grant he thinks they're looking for someone. At the 10 second mark, we cut outside the plane as Udesk is helping Cooper and Nash and gear up before they run off into the jungle. Amanda can still be heard on the bullhorn, yelling Ben and Eric's name. Grant and Billy come out of the plane. Alan asks Mr. Kirby, who hit him? Paul points to Cooper running into the jungle, saying, oh, that was Cooper. At the 31 second mark, Grant tells Paul to tell his wife to stop making that noise, that it's a very bad idea. Amanda points the bullhorn back at the group and calls for us. What's a bad idea? Just as a loud roar echoes from the jungle. At the 54 second mark, we hear gunshots. Billy suggests it may have been a Tyrannosaur, but Grant says no, it sounds bigger. And as the minute ends, Amanda looks back at the group, unsure of what she's just done. As we open on this minute, we had Billy and uh, Alan sort of looking at each other as we can hear Amanda's shouts over the bullhorn. and We can be heard from outside the plane, and we get another call out for Eric and then Ben. And Billy tells Grant that he thinks they're looking for someone. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do cut outside the plane. We see it parked on a dirt airstrip, and we get our first look at the Isla a runway. Several gas tanks and debris laying around the ground. Um, an old rotted windsock that's sort of prominent in the front of the picture. Mm-hmm. And on the uh, right side, we get a, fuel, a small fuel shed and a larger building with a radio tower on the roof. 
Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that Windsock is still there, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, especially after the cyclone. Yeah, yeah, well, you would think they would have been long gone by now, because, I mean, those are made out of, like, what, burlap? Yeah, or canvas, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah like in that. the tropics. In the tropics, it would have got moldy and damp pretty quick. Yeah, just falling off a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, we get the larger building with the radio tower and that on the roof. Um, further down the runway, you can see a, a maintenance truck that's sort of been, that's been abandoned and there's a tree growing up through the middle of it. And uh, back over on the left, you see uh, a fuel, pretty large fuel and a water truck and mm-hmm. an SUV parked in the foliage, which I sort of raised the question about what that could be. And you brought up possibly the um, Suburban that we've seen on the back lot for the Lost World. Yeah. Oh, for the lab scene, I mean. Yeah. But this airfield, it's um, tiny. Um, it's all well, the airstrip's part of um, Dillingham Airfield, which is a public and military use airport in the north and the north shore of Oahu. It's operated by the Hawaii Department of Transportation and under lease from the United States Army, mm. and it's used for um, skydiving as well. But it might be a familiar location you've seen before, but uh, it was used fairly heavily and lost. I think they stored most of the plane wreckage on there because it's right next to the beach. And um, it was used also in Fallen Kingdom where they built the abandoned Main Street set. Really? Yeah. I knew it was built on an airfield. Uh, I did not realize it was the one from here. I assumed it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it was was the same that the plane they use there for the skydiving is the same plane they used to get Claire and Owen there. So I assume it was operating out of that airfield because the the hunter's camp that um, was set up, the roundup camp where they come in and Ted Levine out of there set up, that's off the side of the airstrip as well. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was because it's proximity to the beach there and being private private property, but that might not be the case. <laughs> Probably should have looked a little bit harder into that, but... Oh, I mean, it might be now you're, that you're seeing it. I'm gonna, I don't have to look into that though. We come and brief us next week. Yeah, yep. In our next episode. Yeah. No, next week. Yeah, next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to you next week. One thing I found interesting too is when we're sitting here with this shot up the runway with the um, plane sitting there, the um, mm-hmm. the beacon lights on the tower. There's two small towers and a dish on top of the 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 building there, and they're glowing red. Which um, just goes to show how long the longevity of Hammond's geothermal power, <laughs> if it's running off the same mm-hmm. grid as the the lab and the um, or the worker village at least. Mhm. Which kind of contradicts the um, <laughs> the geothermal power in the novel, where it's uh, geothermal's incredibly corrosive and needs constant update. And even in the novel, most of the power grid's down. It's just a few buildings that are still running on power. As Amanda continues to call out to Ben and Eric, um, we cut to the rear of the plane. Udesky is helping Cooper and Nash gear up with guns and uh, walk away from the plane. And Grant and Billy emerge from the plane door and Paul sees him and meets him by the plane's wing and he's trying to apologise, but Grant's only <laughs> after who hit him. <laughs> and so, yeah, saying who hit me. But um, And then behind Paul too, you can see the van and the water truck parked over amongst the jungle. Mm-hmm. Paul points to Cooper running off in the jungle and says, oh, that was Cooper. <laughs> Which he should know. Cooper was the only one behind him on the plane. 
No, there was no one else unless Billy hit him from the side that he didn't know. <laughs> but uh, Alan asks, what are they doing? And Paul replies, they're setting off a perimeter to make the place safe, these guys. But Grant cuts him off by saying, Mr. Kirby, trust me on this island, there is no such place as safe, or no such thing as safe, which a two-man or three-man team's hardly enough to set up a perimeter around the airstrip, especially later where we see Cooper run out yeah. a few hundred metres further down, down the airstrip itself. Plus, they all seem to run out and go in the same direction as well. I do like... I think it's kind of funny that um, in the scene, if when you look the, at the back of the plane, you can see that they came, actually came over the mountains to land there. And two, there's power lines. Which, I mean, obviously the power lines make sense seeing that there's still power to the airfield. But I think it's funny that... I mean, seriously... <laughs> well, yeah, and that was something, especially when they go to take off and you get the shot of the plane coming back down the uh, runway. Um, you can mm-hmm. clearly see the, the power lines in the background. I've always called it out as a bit of a goof. They didn't um, CG them out, but then there's a lot of fans that are saying, well, there'd be power lines going across the island to transfer power to different locations. But when you got... Well, I suppose at the time they wouldn't have had big dinosaurs roaming around anyway, so it wouldn't have been a thought to them that the dinosaurs could knock the power lines over, but... It'd be a good little shock for a Brachiosaurus and a Patasaurus <laughs> walking, walking <laughs> the power lines, but or even um, like a tree knocking them down. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Because in the first novel, trees knock out the power to like three separate fencing fence points during the storm. And, you know? yeah, and that's just a tropical storm. So you haven't even got the winds that Hurricane Clarissa would have had mm. being Category Four, but. But you do when you go to that Dillingham Air Force Base or airfield and have a look; those those power lines are there on the location. So it's, I think it's just a matter of um, no one in the editing room noticed it or it didn't get CG'd out, <laughs> which is a shame because it sort of just adds that question now. But uh, Alan's saying it's not safe and we have to get back in the plane. Meanwhile, Amanda's continuing to call out on the bullhorn, <laughs> making a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Grant continues, will you tell your wife to stop making that noise? That is a very bad idea. <laughs> and <laughs> Paul turns to face his wife and calls out to her. And we cut to Amanda, positioned by the jungle. She's still calling out for Ben and Eric. We can see Paul, Billy and Grant behind her at the plains. Paul calls out to Amanda, honey, Dr. Grant says that's a bad idea. And she turns and yells through the bullhorn, What? <laughs> And we get the back and forth. He says it's a bad idea, and what what's a bad idea? And then we cue raw. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I know a lot of people have got problems with the Kirby's and Amanda, but it just, it's just that sort of, I'm not going to say dumb housewife, but just sort of that, these people have never been to the island before. One interesting thing before, too, when... Even earlier when we seen Nash and Cooper with the big the big rifle, that's a long range weapon. How how many open fields were they expecting to sit down and be able to shoot a dinosaur coming at them from hundreds of yards away? <laughs> like, <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, I only just thought about it then. It's, it's so you're in the tight jungle. It's the whole reason Muldoon had the Spaz 12 because it's a it's a short range hard hitting weapon. Yeah. When you're in the jungle, you want to be able to get a shot off downrange and stop whatever's charging at you. <laughs> Especially the carnivores. Maybe, okay, the herbivores might be out in the plane a bit more, but... But they're not the ones you brought the gun for. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. So... I mean, 
I would think that the, possibly the only herbivores they would re, really need a gun for would be either Triceratops or the Pachycephalosaurus, you know? Mm. Because, phrase it, most, most firearms you'd carry would not stop either one. No. But even, it's even stop and power aside, just just the ability to have a like fire a shot off to make a noise to maybe give the animal pause for pause to stop and think about it for a minute. Mm-hmm. But they um they didn't think that hard as we see that for mercenaries they're not that good. <laughs> but the Greer yeah, the group freeze and Paul asks what was that and Billy suggests the Tyrannosaurus where maybe he's under the assumption that the T Rex might be the only predator or only large predator on the island. And probably going off stories he'd heard from Grant, because he's never heard a real dinosaur, so he can't really, can't really confirm that it is a Tyrannosaurus or something else. But yeah, we do that slow fade in on Grant as he says, uh, "No, it sounds bigger." Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the one of the like trailer shots, wasn't it? The gunshots, and then uh, Billy saying, "Is that a Tyrannosaurus?" and Grant saying, no, it, it sounds bigger. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of trying to build build to the fact that we're not... The T-Rex isn't going to be the big kid on the block here. Even later when the Spinosaur does come on the scene, it's sort of... You're not getting it in full shot. You're only getting a sneak peek of it. Even though it's in the logo. <laughs> but yeah, as the minute ends, we see Amanda turn to face him and um, look back in the jungle, wondering what she's just done. I don't know if so much the bullhorn yelling out would have attracted the Spinosaur as much as them out there running around the jungle, I suppose, depending on how much sound can carry through the jungle. <laughs> but uh, first up in the script notes, we get um, we pretty much go along as we see in the film, but are told that Amanda's standing on the edge of the tarmac calling out through a bullhorn when it's not tarmac on this airstrip, it's only a dirt, like a compacted dirt airstrip. Yeah. This is probably why it works so well as kind of being an abandoned airstrip. It's more like an offshoot from the main airstrip, which does have a tarmac. Mm, yeah. Yep. And it's sort of, it, it's described in both the novel and in the script as well as being sort of heavily overgrown with that jungle coming back following that FEMA game, but actual vines and that growing up through through cracks in the tarmac. But any anything like that you wouldn't be able to land a plane on and rip the undercarriage out yeah, really. even later when the planes are taken off you can it's described as the planes jumping all over the place as they're racing across um the vine covered tarmac which might be a little bit too much overgrowth especially when you've got an actual plane taxiing on it or trying to take off before they cut to the special effect but but grant has a different line here as well he tells paul and tell your wife to stop making so much noise with food for these damn animals. <laughs> Looking at the novel briefly, uh, we're told the plane's parked at one end of a rutted, vine-covered airstrip um, that the jungle's almost reclaimed, as I said before. But it's still wide enough for a plane to land, <laughs> which makes mm-hmm. you wonder how much, or how far back the jungle was cut cut back originally when InGen were there. And uh, when Alan asks what's going on here, and Paul says they're setting up a perimeter, he also says that um, one of them was a Green Beret once, which sort of, again, makes you wonder, how could they get it so wrong? Yeah. uh, That's everything I've got on minute 20. Dave, anything else you want to discuss before we get heavy for today? No, I think we're good. All right. 
If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.